Dolan and the Gypsies have escaped the ominous attentions of the pointy-headed civil service space copyright accountants and soar off now into the vastness of space in search of they know not what, they know not where. I reckon we're far enough away from White Bull for you to cut the engines now, Dolan, me child, said Jimbo to Dolan, who was in the pilot's seat. Dolan passed the instruction along to the other two spacecraft and hit the cut-off button, which would allow the ships to coast at the same speed without expenditure of fuel. Nothing happened. What? A fault in me faultless machine? muttered Jimbird with puzzlement. Dolan was puzzled too and hit the button again, twice and harder. This time, the engines cut out. The other two ships had apparently had the same trouble, but they all cut engines at about the same moment, and so were still more or less in line abreast. Odd that, Jimbird, said Dolan. From what you taught me about the workings of these ships, such a thing could never happen. Happen so, me child, said Jimbird Flyflower, rubbing his beard with one hand. Happen so. Jimbird was mildly surprised to see tiny particles of ice fall into his lap as he did this. I'm afraid there's something up ahead again, came Lob Mincing's voice over the ship's radio. Round, like white ball, setting this time it's black, and there's three of them. Lummy, it's getting parky round here, he added. Yes, sir, said Festy Snarkbuster. It's getting colder than a... I will exactly put in Chief Engineer Alistair Truefit Mackenzie. Uh, I've been observing the instruments, and they seem to indicate the temperature has dropped to such a level as our machinery will no longer function efficiently. Uh, we can but try. And that we will, said Dolan. On the count of three, hit booster rockets and take 90 degree vertical evasive course. Dolan counted down. They all wrestled with the controls, and of course... Nothing happened. They tried again. Same result. Aye, well, it would seem that whatever those black things are, and you'll note that they're surrounded by a huge cloud of whitish mist, that they want very much to see us, and that we have little recourse but to go along with their wishes. And we better get suited up quick, me friends, for it is mighty parky already, and promising more. Oh, and don't forget to switch on your suit heaters. Dolan was peering intently at the cloudy telescreen and said, Wait a minute. That white stuff, it's not mist, it's... it's ice. And those three black things aren't spheres at all. They're holes, entrances to tunnels, and we're being pulled helplessly into them. and helplessly in slid the three spacecraft, each bouncing and sliding for what seemed like an eternity down a slippery, bumpy passage until they eventually skated out into the light and skidded to a standstill in a vast ice-green cavern with a roof that went clear out of sight, as all metals will, the moment the ship stopped on the unbelievably cold ice. They immediately froze irremovably to it. 
and to all intents and purposes would be stuck there forevermore, in spite of the efforts of the gypsies, who in any case were shivering prisoners within. There was a piercing, echoing shriek of laughter from outside, and gazing hard through the misted-up telescreen, Dolan could make out a tall, dark figure, seated on a huge throne at the far end of the cavern. But that was about all. Dolan then heard some very sharply spoken instructions and saw half a dozen or so smallish but very furry creatures about the size of chimpanzees scuttle forward to each ship, heard furious rubbing noises from the direction of the airlock door and was soon surprised to see the operational light click on. Jimbird, who'd been energetically trying to snap a small icicle from the end of his nose before donning his space helmet, noticed it too. Lummy he said. We're invited for a stroll in the snow. Donan was first out, stepping past the curious furry creatures who were rubbing assiduously at the region of the airlock door to keep it operative in the intense cold. As the others also stepped from their ships, they found it necessary to switch on their internal helmet coolers to prevent them misting up in the chilly green glare. Welcome to your new home, my fresh little specimens. Dolan and the gypsies took a long, hard look at the speaker. She was perhaps ten feet tall. She had a long, prominent nose, a wide mouth which looked as if it could be cruel, and widely spaced, deep-set black eyes of enormous size and penetrating gaze. Her hair was long and black and fell almost to her waist, Her head was surmounted by a huge green crown, inset with diamonds or chunks of ice, they knew not which. She wore a full-length cape of thick black fur, from the base of which could be seen protruding the ends of a pair of thick black leather boots. Neither her face nor her hands seemed cold, although they were not covered. Strangely, although she held in one hand an extravagantly long cigarette holder, with a cigarette alight in it, In the other was an ice lolly, and she applied herself alternately to each as she spoke. Specimens? snarled Jimbird Flyflower. What do you mean, specimens? The lady seated in the vast throne of green ice surveyed Jimbird with a degree of interest. Because that, my dear, is exactly what you'll become. And I must say... That you in particular, with your one arm and one leg and so on, should make the most fascinating addition to my collection. I've no idea what you means by your collection, nor who you are. But I can assure you, neither I nor me mates here have any intention of becoming part of it, said Jimbird. What is your name? said the lady sharply. Jimbird hitched himself up, slightly on his crutch. I'm Jimbird Flyflower, scientist, philosopher, poet, engineer, biologist, traveller. Well, I'm afraid your travels have come to an end precisely here. For I am Queen Arachna, and the similarity between my name and yours... Arachnid, for spiders, is not entirely inappropriate. 
For we each lie in wait for our victims, but whereas your spiders eventually devour their catch, I simply preserve mine. <laughs> if you care to look around you, you'll see what I mean. The gypsies turned and surveyed the surrounding walls, and their hearts leapt into their mouths. For there, each set in its own block of clear ice, was a spaceship, complete with its crew. The crews were as varied as their ships, taking many forms. Some of the ships were of strikingly differing designs, while a few vaguely resembled the smooth lines of those belonging to the gypsies. The crews stared out at them, in death from their ice prisons. Some looked distinctly humanoid, while others were utterly alien. But they all had one thing in common in their faces, a kind of trapped, helpless sadness. And they were all around the walls. It was the most heartbreaking sight the gypsies had ever seen. Such a pretty collection, purred Queen Arachna, reaching for another ice lolly. Why, I often just spend hours gazing around at them all. But how did you capture them? said Dolan. Exactly as your spider does, my dear. I simply lie and wait. And as they unsuspectingly fly into my region of extreme cold, their controls naturally seize up. And I simply sit back and await their entrance into my parlor. Exactly as with you, my little friends. And... If we refuse to go along with your plan, said Dolan, who, like the others, and in spite of the spacesuit heating element, was beginning to tremble with the cold. I'm afraid you have no choice in the matter, my dears. You are destined to become part of my collection of butterflies. And that's it. It's too cold for your machines to work. Now, to business. You have a choice. You may either return to your vehicles and slowly freeze to death. Or you may elect to immerse yourselves in the warm water provided by my gremlins. She indicated a group of the furry creatures who'd formed a bucket chain and were quickly filling up a huge pit, cutting the cavern floor. I can assure you that death will be quick and almost painless, for the water will freeze very promptly. Dolan and the gypsies looked about them helplessly. There seemed to be no escape. But help came from the most unexpected sources. There was a sudden bright orange fizzing flash, an explosion of smoke. And there stood the most extraordinary man the gypsies had ever seen. He was about eight feet tall. He wore a bright doublet of yellow, secured by a red leather belt, hose of yellow and long red leather boots. Quite light in weight, and his head was surmounted by a yellow kind of forester's cap with a bright red feather stuck in it. 
he carried a long staff, painted also in red and yellow, like a barber's pole, which was also festooned with ribbons of yellow and red. Oh no, not you again, Waldo. Why do you always try to spoil my fun? King Waldo to you, madam, from the region of warmth and happiness. As he spoke, he steamed from everywhere. His mouth, his nose, his ears. And little pools of water began to form in the ice around his feet. He seemed quite impervious to the cold. Dolan thought he looked like nothing so much as someone out of a pantomime. But he wasted not a moment. Back into your ships, my friends, and I'll have you out of here in a trice. The gypsies wasted not a moment, but did as they were bid, shouting their thanks to the beaming King Waldo as they ran. King Waldo followed them and ran his staff quickly around each ship at ground level, which freed it from the ice, and then quickly over the upper surfaces, then banged once loudly on the hull of each vessel to indicate that they were free to go. The gypsies waved their thanks through the portholes, fired their retro rockets, and were quickly away, back down the tunnels by which they'd entered. Come down to my place sometime, roared Waldo. You'll get a much warmer reception there. I think you're a perfect beast, Waldo. You'll never let me enjoy myself anymore, said Queen Arachna, taking another ice lolly. Well, I think this waylaying of innocent travellers by you has gone on for too long. Look at these poor creatures stuck in the ice around your walls. Where might they be now? What might they have discovered if it hadn't been for you and your cruel ways? I shall carry on as I've always done, said Queen Arachna. And I shall stop you every time said Waldo, gently, and with a mischievous stroke of his staff, he caused half of her ice lollies to melt. The Queen's dignity melted with them. Do you mind? Them's all I got. There was a huge laugh, a hiss of steam, and King Waldo was gone. As the rockets roared away to freedom yet again, Jimbird spoke. Well, that's the closest I ever got to being a fish finger. Dolan hastily changed the subject. I wonder why she eats nothing but ice lollies. Crispin Lob Mincing provided the answer to that one. Well, when you're permanently stuck to a throne of ice, I suppose it's the safest choice. <laughs> 